to Sharp Scratch, episode 54, Hobbies. This is a BMJ podcast sponsored by Medical Protection. On Sharp Scratch, we bring together medical students, junior doctors and expert guests to discuss all the things that you need to know to be a good doctor, but that you might not get taught at medical school. I'm Nikki and I'm the editorial scholar here at the BMJ and I'm also a fourth year medical student at the University of Manchester. I'm excited to be joined today by my good friends, Laura and Declan. Laura, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello everyone, I'm Laura. Uh, I'm a final year med student at the University of Cambridge and I've just found out this week that I've passed all my exams. Yay! (laughs) I'm done. Congrats, Laura. (laughs) Um, And Declan, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Declan. I'm an F2 up in Newcastle. And I found out a month ago that I'm going to be an ACF in ophthalmology for the next 10 years of my life. Oh, so. congratulations. That's so exciting. That's so, yeah. so much great news on Sharp Scratch today. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Achieving our dreams. Amazing. Um, but it's great to have you both with us today, as always. Um, I thought that today we would have a little chat about our hobbies. So this is going to be another sort of mini series. So it's a two-parter and our next episode will focus a lot more on the sort of well-being side of our hobbies. But to kick off today, what were both of your hobbies like before medical school? Um, Should we go around? Lara, what did you do at school and things? Um, At sixth form, like, so yeah, when I was 17, 18, I did netball, um, played piano and flute was in the orchestra and in the choir I did the um annual like play whatever it was so I was Titania in a Midsummer Night's Dream and um <laughs> all the minor characters in uh what's that one about the plant um a little shop of horrors okay, <laughs> a musical um I visited the uh, a local care home on Wednesdays to paint the residents nails uh, and then, yeah, no, that was fun. And then, That's uh, so sweet. <laughs> and um, uh, church youth group and church on Sundays. Um, uh, maybe that was it. You sound like <laughs> just, so well-rounded. <laughs> That's it. I, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, uh, I used to have a bit of a different philosophy before my gap year, um, which, you know, my mum always throws back to that time and says, you know, it's really good that you took a gap year because uh, otherwise I just wouldn't have learned how to chill out. Before that, I, I, I think I had like this core belief that the, the way that I would know that I'd lived a good life was by the variety of things that I'd done or made or produced or tried or experienced, which I think is a really common like philosophy in society yeah. at the moment, like people our generation. Um, and so I genuinely like filled up all my time with doing things. If I could squeeze stuff in, I'd squeeze stuff in. Um, you know, I tried my hardest at everything and I had one or two breakdowns a term. And that was, I just thought that was the normal cost to being able to live life to the full. That's... <laughs> Bless you. That's so interesting. No. <laughs> Declan, what about you? What did you get up to as a teenager? Yeah, I was, I was similarly, similarly fairly psychopathic, I think. Um... <laughs> <laughs> that makes three of us. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, it was also in the orchestra. I played violin since I was like eight um, also was in a Cayley band and taught Irish folk music. Um, played guitar. So <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> um, played guitar. Not quite so, like, I guess, competitively. Um, that was mainly as a chill-out thing, but still did most kind of grades and was in a couple of bands back in the day. Um, <laughs> did all the musicals, either guitar and violin. I did diving, like springboard and platform diving. I did that really? almost nationally because um, I thought that looked cooler than swimming. 
um, <laughs> and I played basketball hilariously um, for like the north of England. Um, as well as that, <laughs> I was in. Oh, I'm, actually, I'm actually forgetting that I was in a Gemby drum band as well. Um, back, <laughs> back in the day. Um, you two are just so proving my point with this yeah, episode that everyone yeah, is just yeah. so high achieving. Yeah, I'm now and remembering. Then, like, I, yeah, I did a bit of debating as well. Sorry to. Oh, jump did in you? Oh, so, okay. yeah, yeah, they just yeah. keep bouncing off each my, other. My, <laughs> my school wasn't really a debate school, um, but I'm sure I would have got involved in that if I had the opportunity. Um, God, what else did I do? Oh, were, were you a prefect or a head uh, boy or something like that? Or was it the current we men's did, We didn't have any of that stuff. Twitter no, drama. No, I, w- I wouldn't have been one as well. I was a bit too yeah. cool for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. The, the gender and then, band, actually, diving, must, cool must, kid. Yeah, being in all the musicals really shouts. <laughs> I, was, I was in the band. I wasn't on the stage. The cool ones always in the band. Um, in that, the orchestra bit. <laughs> yeah, but I was the cool one in the orchestra. Um and then I also worked, actually, I worked as a porter mm. and a support worker at my local hospital, which I was actually based at, like, six months ago, which was a really weird experience. Oh, right, yeah, um, wow. And then I did a bit in care homes, like, kind of art music therapy um, with mm. people with dementia. And I think that's probably about it. Um, you reminded me that, I, yeah, I also did lifeguarding at the yeah. weekends for money, oh yeah. Yeah. And then when I turned 18, I spent the rest of my time drinking in a in a field. <laughs> you helped me. I didn't. I didn't have that character development. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. What about you, I think I was Similar to both of you, but did a lot of music. Mm. Um, I was in loads of choirs. Um, was always off on these like choir residential courses every like Easter and summer and things like nationally. Mm. Um, I did a couple of. BBC proms, like oh, really? youth choirs and things in my day. Um, they're always quite fun. Yeah, so I spent a lot of my like kind of childhood and teenagehood as, as a choir girl. Um, so that came with a lot of other sort of like singing things. Um, I played the piano. I did ballet. And I did other dance stuff. Like I did some dance mm. stuff at school. I taught dance to like the younger years and things and helped choreograph like the school dance productions and things. Um, I was in stage crew. I wasn't on stage for the musicals, but I was um, a stage manager. So I was sort of running around backstage with a headset on. Um, I'm trying to think, what else did I do? I mean, look at you now. You're still running the show with a headset on. (laughs) (laughs) Some things never change. (laughs) Um, What else did I do? I worked as well in sixth form. I worked in retail. So Mm. I kind of, I sold clothes at my mum's favourite shop so she could get a staff discount. Um, Adorable. (laughs) Um, but yeah, again, like both of you, was very, very busy. There was a point where in my sort of sixth form, my head of year asked me to report to her once a week and check in that I was still okay with the number of things that I was doing Mm. and that I didn't want to drop anything because they didn't think I would get the right grades if I carried on Mm. at the level that I was was going in terms of my time commitments. Yeah, I I, I totally forgot that was even a thing for me. Um, yeah, Yeah, I remember an AS level doing art, music, biology chemistry maths and similarly people like why why are you doing that Um, yeah yeah. I think I used to miss a a fair bit of school sometimes for like rehearsals and to travel to rehearsals and things um and sometimes for say things like the proms it was like a week off school at a time Mm. um and a lot of the senior people at the schools kind of assumed that I was always going to be a musician and I was going to do music um and then when they, I think our, like the head of sick form had to check all of the personal statements and stuff and saw mine was geared towards medicine. She was like, wait, hold on, what's going on here? How are you going to get all the right grades for that? But 
Yeah, I think similar to both of you. I mean, that makes three of us. I've also had an intervention you know, <laughs> like from from uh, from teachers being like, "Are you sure you should be doing all of this?" Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. like, I like now looking back, I can totally see why they did, and I would also be questioning I past these well. choices. Um, yeah. I just thought it was normal, and I did enjoy most of it. I, you know, I I thought it was normal to be to be yeah collapsing once or twice a term that's what that's the thing no, i'm looking I back think, on me yeah. like, i think it's normal to want to do lots of things and i think that's completely fine and encourage that in yeah. people but the fact that i was every now and then just not not like not coping and then being able to yeah. carry on and cope you know the next week but you know i thought that was normal and, and now looking back i think you know actually i, I didn't need to to be doing all mm. of those things to being enjoying myself yeah yeah it's yeah. interesting now that you mentioned like your ethos for wanting to do those things mm. i think I was a very strong believer that I worked better when I was busy. Yeah. And by having a limited amount of time, I would fit things in. I would get them done because I had to. And that a lot of the time, I think, meant that I wasn't getting enough sleep or I wasn't Mm. functioning as well or enjoying things as much as I probably should have been because I was trying to fit too much in. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, and then when you're at school, it doesn't matter so much, but carrying that into adulthood like if you, all your friendships are based on like stuff squeezed in between other stuff it's you know when you haven't got time to like just settle and sit where you are and be where you are without having to rush off or look at the clock it's something mm. I did not appreciate when I was a teen <laughs> no not at all yeah What about you, Declan? What do you think were your sort of motivations for doing all of your hobbies? Yeah, I mean, so I similarly think I work better when I'm busy. Um, I didn't really have a breakdown like it seems like you guys had. Because I guess my my motivations, you know, was that I enjoyed all of them, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, yeah. And I never really felt forced into doing it. I just liked mm. to be busy. I didn't really have... Not all. I didn't do... Except for maybe working in a hospital, there was no real motive to get into medicine because I never actually wanted to do medicine until mm. the summer before applying. Um, so for me, I did actually quite enjoy it. And I think I was always willing to stop if I needed to, but never quite felt that. Yeah. But mm. as I've gone through university and work, I don't quite have um, such energy um, with <laughs> yeah. my old age. Yeah, that's um, interesting. But yeah, still, si- I mean, similarly, I've definitely not got out of that that routine of, of working too much and but you know giving yourself some time to chill is now interesting emphasized you, now yeah interesting that you said that you um sort of enjoyed doing each single thing because I remember when my teachers were shot like you should drop something I remember thinking I wouldn't know what to drop I wouldn't yeah. know what, what I'd want to give up yeah I mean and as, that was yeah. something I had a major debate about and I think mm. back to it now it's like I think the night before each of my GCSE exams I was performing in concerts and it was like a concert week mm. so I was going to rehearsals doing a concert and then coming home and being like right I've got this GCSE tomorrow yeah <laughs> well, and I think back to that now I'm like why did I do that I, I mean I, there were other concerts I could have just missed that one yeah mm. I think when you're younger you find it harder to say no to things as well don't you yeah and Definitely. At the start of uni, I, I found it really hard to say no to things, both kind of outside mm. of uni and like extra researchy things <laughs> or whatever. Whereas now, that's like, yeah, yeah it's it's a real thing mm. that you need to learn, I think. Yeah, Declan, you're so right. Like, I was, I felt de- like I really l- thrived off the approval of adults when I was a yeah. teen. Um, and, I, you know, like, to some extent, I still do. Like, it's something yeah, I recognize in myself. I'm a, I am a massive people pleaser, and it's something I've been reflecting a bit as I'm like, preparing to start my actual job soon like how how I'm going to negotiate that particular floor in the workplace anyway but yeah at the time you know that I 
thinking of what to give up was real real tricky and actually when I when I did come so you know I did have a gap year um was a bit nervous ahead of it because I thought who am I going to be if I can't be doing all these activities because I went Mm. abroad to do a job uh that yeah I was an au pair so I was free like in the daytime when most people are working and stuff so that's not really the time to be joining clubs or doing team sports or group activities and stuff you know that's like the middle of the day is when the kids are at school and the parents are at work and I'm in the house and there's not much to do um and I was totally fine but then still when I came to university like I still like tried everything and had a breakdown and then had to have a little sit down with myself and I know see see I loved it I loved it but I did finish term with a really high blood pressure and very little sleep for a few nights to the extent that my parents were a bit like are you are you okay you're talking very fast and very loud <laughs> um, yeah but uh that's interesting yeah do you think the gap year helped you to sort of realize that it's kind of okay to not be doing as much and almost make you miss the things that you actually enjoyed doing yeah it, well exactly the fact you know the fact that I had time to learn something new just for the heck of it so I learned how to knit which is you know very low-key <laughs> and not really achievement based I still I think I've knitted four things ever and I started nine years ago and every now and then I work and I add a couple of rows. I'm not very good at it. I have to look up a YouTube video every time I start it. But, you know, that's a really simple thing that I, you know, and then every single day, like I did a bit of exercise, I did my chores or cleaning or whatever my job was. Um, and I was free to like, you know, go exploring or try anything or watch TV series. And I, I just really didn't, I, I didn't, really didn't cause me any crisis of identity, which is what I was expecting. And, and it's just nice to know that there's like wholeness outside of simply doing things and being productive there's wholeness in just being um but uh yeah so i i, I really like i'm so glad i did that because i think i'd have really struggled especially coming to cambridge uni where like you don't just have medics but also like non-medics lots of people are absolute gunners who are used to doing so much all the time that if i'd have come to uni with that with that kind of i have to be productive mentality i think i'd have really struggled to I just, I just struggled on all counts. I'd have struggled to say no to things. I'd have struggled to be content doing a lot less than I had before. Yeah, so I'm really glad that I, I did go. Declan, which of your hobbies do you still do now? <laughs> Not many of them. Um, oh, Declan. I know. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, so I, I'm quite yeah. a, a bad person to have on this um, episode, I think, because I'm still a bit ridiculous with, <laughs> with my work. Um, guitar is the main one that just lets me chill out, and I now have adopted a hobby of going out for food a lot. Um, hmm. Now that we can, that is a legitimate hobby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's so... very much like a paid person hobby, <laughs> <laughs> like a hobby right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very true. Um, and then a lot of beach walks and a bit of kind of just climbing up a mountain when I get sick of my life. Um, I mean, the, the real difficulty is, I think you know, the the system is kind of skewed to make us tick boxes, um, and I've kind of experienced that particularly. You know, in F1 and F2, going for a job where there's only three in the country and it's a very competitive specialty, and you do have to tick boxes. Um, so, you know, it's I think that almost emphasises the importance of needing to have free time to do whatever hobby you want or just chill or get some food or sit on a beach with a glass of wine um, because, you, you know, you do have to also fulfil these requirements that the system requires us to, to get a specialist mm. training post. Um so it's difficult, but um, you kind of have to try and squeeze in some free time, even when it's not possible. We'll discuss a little bit more about our hobbies and ticking boxes, but that will be right after this. Mm-hmm. 
How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. Okay, so interesting that Declan just mentioned a bit about sort of ticking boxes then, because I was thinking out of all the things that we listed from sort of our pre-medical school hobbies, how many of them sort of had like a scale or were measurable or classed as like an achievement, something that might have gone on your CV or in your medical school applications? So I'm talking things like music grades or sports trophies, that sort of stuff. Because I, I kind of asked this because I feel like I'm constantly surprised by kind of how talented like my peers are like the sharp scratch team for example everyone seems to like have their own like niche and is super good at what they do or something I've noticed at med school as well is like someone will I I will have known them for sort of two or three years and then they'll turn around and mention that they were like grade eight cello when they were 11 years old or (laughs) that they were rugby captain or a choir boy or like something else that you had no idea about Uh, I always feel like it kind of catches me off guard because it's amazing how many achievements people almost seem to have like hidden because they don't do anymore is this something that you guys have come across as well yeah particularly with like musical grades seems like lots and lots of people at uni have something that they did a lot of before you you know some people do get to carry it on but seems like more than not have had an instrument that they've gotten really good in and then chosen to stop or had to stop sorry i found out my friend was a an olympic or like a, a serbian national almost olympic skier classic um when i went on holiday to Serbia after finals and this is a guy that I spoke to loads for like five years um, and then someone who swam for Great Britain um, who nev- <laughs> never I mean. mentioned it before this is like an absolute imposter syndrome generating uh. episode isn't it crikey such amazing people yeah I know wow. it's mad isn't it this is what I mean though because you can be sort of sat at the pub with someone you've known for years and they'll suddenly come up with something like that and you're like whoa everyone seems to have something that they really really excelled at and it's I think it's really interesting that people have been so like I've put so much time and effort into like these achievements and now it's just not part of who they are anymore I guess like it's like what Lara was saying earlier about how it kind of like when you were saying about your gap year and you you didn't know who you would be without all of these hobbies Mm. do you think that our hobbies kind of start to define us and <laughs> you're asking. Of our... I, I you're think... asking the person who's got L and M rugby as a Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> Lara, would you say your hobby is a part of your personal? <laughs> uh, I mean, in my defence, I did get Twitter specifically to promote my rugby activities, uh, which you know is probably going to become less relevant as I go on, and I'm not really convinced I'll be able to carry on playing rugby as a doctor. But um, 
you know, that is something I've thought about a lot because it has been such a huge part of my life recently. And then, mm. you know, the idea that it might not be as feasible to do team sports going forward, you know, it's it's been a big part of my I, I'd be hesitant to say it's part of my identity because it is probably something that when I started it, I did think this is just for university and then I'll stop. But I can't deny that it's been such a huge gift in blessing in my life. So... Yeah, to some extent, it, yeah, maybe maybe it is a really big part of me and my life right now. I talk about it all the time. Mm. Everyone everyone who listens to Sharp Scratch knows I play rugby, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, actually, when you started playing rugby? Because you didn't, I noticed you didn't mention it in your sort of pre-med school. No, no, I, you know, I picked it up in my first year of uni. Like I, like I said, I tried lots and lots of things when I started um, uni in my first term. And I thought I'd wanted to try some new sports. So I tried rowing as well. I thought I'd try football, but I never got around to it. Um, and by comparison, like rugby was a lot more unpredictable, a lot more like um, get up and just try something new than rowing, which was, mm. I found it quite boring at first. I've got lots of pals who love rowing and, you know, I get that there's, particularly when you get mates in it, it can be quite fun. But rugby was great. So, yeah, just seven years I've been playing it. And I mean, it's the first time I've ever been like good at a sport. Before that, I always did sport like for fun, but never really been good at it. So yeah, as I, Declan, actually, I was wondering, you know, do you have any pals that do a non-medicine activity regularly? As in doctor pals, or as yeah, in pals, yeah, yeah, doctor, doctor, doctor pals. <laughs> oh, you mean uh, human pals? No, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, most of them on the football team. Um, I think that's about it, though. Like um, a like a like a doctor football team, like no, a or oh, like a, a town one. Um, so we've just started a football team in our in our hospital trust Aww. which people keep trying to force me to do but I'm like nah man I, I, I don't I don't think I'll be I won't be worth anything being on the team um but yeah so they've started that and there is a there's a trust rugby team as well but I'm only five foot seven so I'm also not part of that but there is a there is a few I think it's partly why people are starting to do more f3 and f4 years as well though because you know, as you reach the end of F2, you realise that it's a it's a long process and it's very much kind of the whole a marathon rather than a sprint and that you need to, you need to really focus on having some time away. So those tend to be the ones who are happy to take a few years out and to mm. aren't quite sure what they want to specialise in. And yeah. they tend to be the ones who are doing a few more non-tick boxy um, extracurricular stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. I can't claim That's that. really encouraging to hear, actually. Yeah. As you were speaking there, Declan, I kind of wonder whether the reason we can physically do more sort of the tick boxy things that require maybe more commitment or time and effort at school is probably because we have a lot more sort of set timings. You know, you're at school from, say, like nine till three and you've got the afternoons free or the weekends free. Whereas I guess when you're studying, it's a bit different. And then when you go on to work as a doctor, the kind of shift pattern and the shift nature of the work is probably impossible to kind of commit in the same way that you might have done to like high levels of like rehearsals or sort of team practices and things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so my, my friends still play basketball up in Newcastle and I've always been meaning to go back, but there's no way, at least in an in A&E road, uh, to have a kind of consistent, you know, I can turn up at... Hmm. At seven o'clock on a Wednesday, that's never really possible. Alongside doing all the extra stuff to try and get a job, um, mm, so yeah. it certainly it certainly is a bit more challenging. I think. Is there any way you can request things <laughs> like that? Like, I really want to go to this practice or this rehearsal on this day. Like, or would it be up to you to sort of swap shifts with people? Yeah, every time it, it would be probably taken as annual leave, um, mm. and occasionally you can swap shifts on most rotations. In my A and E rotation, you can't. Um, you can't swap any shifts. 
Um, so it does make it really difficult. Um, yeah, I would love to say it's it's flexible, um, but it's actually really quite inflexible. Um, mm. So you, that's, I think that's why you really need to make an effort and find out when you're off and get a group together and do something fun because you really need to you need to focus on that. Um, and preparing yeah. a bit more advanced than you would if you're at uni where you can just, you know, one night message people do you fancy Rock a up. pint and then everyone <laughs> just rocks up at someone's house. Um, so yeah, it's a little different. Like something I've thought about so, so much is if I'm not going to play rugby, what kind of exercise am I going to do? Because that's something that helps me to function and I think I'll probably find the first few months of F1 quite tough and... I know that I'll need all my tools at hand, right? So I do want to do some kind of exercise, but also I know that if I feel a little bit meh, like if it's been a long work day, I'm not going to go out and jog. Like I can't, you know, the kind of thing that helps me go out to rugby training, for example, is knowing that I'm meeting certain people at a certain time. They're my pals. They want to see me. I want to see them. And we're going to do something like that's fun where you don't even feel like you're doing exercise whilst you're doing it and you're concentrating on something with your whole mind that isn't whatever you just came from. Yeah, I think um, you just have to prioritise it more, really. Um, yeah. And you have to force yourself out more. You know, at uni, yeah. you know you're always going to have time the next week to do it. Um, yeah. You know, I think you just need to force yourself and kick yourself yeah, a little yeah. bit to do it because yeah. then you'll feel a hell of a lot better for it. Yeah, so I've been thinking about like things like could I join a martial arts club where there's like a bunch of classes and I could do like different classes each week to match each week to match up with my shifts or could I do climbing like indoor bouldering that's something that some people seem to do as like a social I wouldn't be any good at it like I you know I'm You'd become good at it, right? (laughs) Oh stop it. I don't know. Like I don't have to be good at it to enjoy it, do you know what I mean? Like it's you know or, or make um, you know fun, make yeah. make a rugby team in the hospital trust that you're at you know I think it, so, someone needs oh. to take that first step maybe I'll step. put that on my uh, on my hospital F1 yeah, Facebook group see if any are there are any women who like rugby or any men who like men. rugby yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah just sort of going back to kind of why we did things before medical mm. school I was kind of wondering whether I mean, all three of us seem to have made ourselves ridiculously busy and Declan, you see, said that you still kind of do. Do you think this has anything to do with that sort of typical kind of medic personality that we always seem to come back to on Sharp Scratch, that kind of the fact that we're a bit self-selective and we kind of have this tendency to, I guess, enjoy being quite busy or to be quite competitive? I think it's a... I mean, for me, it's a competitiveness thing, partially. I think... I don't know, I'm a bit of a unique one where, I don't know, I'm from a background where not many people go into medicine, so, you know, I wanted to do the best in my medical degree that I possibly could, so I kind of just worked ridiculously hard. Knew I wanted to go into a research career as well, so kind of set myself some ridiculous goals. And that, to be fair, kept me motivated um, to do pretty well. But... I don't think in the long term that's a particularly healthy (laughs) healthy method. And now that I have got a job, I'm a bit like, right, now I can chill out and now I can really focus on on these other things. Um, There is always a hint of competitiveness, isn't there? I I felt at university Mm -hmm. as well. And, you know, depending on what specialty you're going for, there is always competition. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's always a little bit in the back of your mind, um, even when you're trying to avoid it, I think. so I think perhaps yeah I think we're all we're all like to I don't know all like to harm each other (laughs) a little bit and it's all a bit of a a horrible environment I don't know about you two but before before uni I remember being quite preoccupied about 
what activities I did and what they would show about my character or you know that showed I'd be suitable for medicine like I do remember being quite preoccupied as to whether I had a full set of things and um I remember one university I applied to Edinburgh University and um I didn't get past the first stage or whatever and they sent I asked for feedback and they gave quite detailed feedback it was quite good um and my personal statement was in the middle third of applicants or something like that and they said you know that was my understanding of what it takes to do medicine the extracurricular activities and what they showed about my character and my like experience my sort of work experience stuff that's kind of stuff they looked at there and you know I'd, I kind of looked at that and thought wow what are all those other people doing uh, that, that I'm not doing yeah. the reality is is that yeah they're like lots of people do so many activities I, you know looking now that was what I thought at the time and now looking back I'm thinking maybe my personal statement was sort of too much about my character and less about my understanding of medicine and maybe that's where I fell short really that I was sort of focusing too much on what do my what do my activities show about me rather than it would kind of change the norm don't we once we're once we're applied to mm. medicine because like we say you know all of us have been pretty damn busy and I'm sure most medical students are the same um so I think we're a little bit harsh on ourselves sometimes um and our yeah. sense of what a normal person is tends to be slightly <laughs> different skewed. to yeah, yeah. To, the rest of the the population no, definitely. Um, but the reality is is that there are like tons of people who apply every single year to medicine who would make great doctors who yeah. don't yeah. get into medicine because it's hyper competitive because there are people who have more capacity or access to tick boxy things um so you know what school you go to and what opportunities i'll support you in doing will affect how much you can achieve or like how much how you know how you can, whether you've got any responsibilities at home will affect like what you can do completely and, you know all this stuff you know and that is it's really difficult it's really difficult yeah. to be a teenager thinking about am i doing enough to show that i know what it takes to get into university and it and yeah. it, you know it's balmy when you think about the fact that all of us have gone to university and hardly do anything that we did before and it's not mm. like our characters have radically changed. It's just our expectations of how we use our time has changed. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting what you're saying there, Lara, because I think there is something to be said about like the privilege that it takes to be able to do all of the, to be that busy when you're that age, I guess. Like there's a certain amount of like time or money or commitment from parents who that might be required for like these things. Like if sports training is far away and you need a lift there or you need to get the bus there or... Yeah. Um, whether you're committing yourself to sort of hours of rehearsals and then that's using up time that someone else might need to be working. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and you might need to be supporting yourself. I think lots of people yeah. are probably yeah. just as talented if they had that sort of like talent nurtured. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Or what about like, have... yeah, what about like a little bit of dyslexia or a different chronic illness or disability that means your schoolwork takes you a bit longer to get your excellent grades? That leaves you with less time to be doing all this free time stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's I a think bit much. It's, it's, a, it's a failure of the system that, and I think that's a conversation yeah. <laughs> on its own, isn't it? About you know the selection process yeah. and whether mm. you should feel like you have to do all of these things to, yeah. to get in. Um, yeah, I think that 
personally think there should be a radical change to how we do select people. No, I, I think I'd agree with that. It's interesting though, because as I, we were planning this episode, I was um, trying to find out a bit more about sort of the selection criteria for medical schools at the moment. And um, one medical school admission tutor that I spoke to, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say what medical school they were from, but they said they don't consider personal statements at all because the quote was like, they have a relatively poor predictive value, which I thought was really interesting. Mm. Because I know that some medical schools definitely do look at, like my one at Manchester, we don't look at personal statements, but you have to fill out this free text form that's called like the non-academic information form. And definitely when I applied sort of five years ago, one of the four boxes was about hobbies and extracurricular activities. Hmm. So yeah, I wonder whether these things are starting to change or... And how much more they still need to change, I guess. I mean, sometimes the thing that's best predictive value is the grades you got at A-level, but that's also, like, massively influenced by your social your class. Yeah. And, and all kinds of things that are not really reflective of whether you'd make a good doctor or not. So that's also a tricky thing, is that, yeah, often the best the, the best predictor of how well you... Uh, you can't see it. I'm doing air quotes at the moment. But the best predictor <laughs> of how well you do, you do at university is your your academic grades before university but that's also yeah a reflection of the resources in your area and the resources in your family like it's i mean i don't know like yeah i know declan i know that you've thought a lot about this and you've probably got um better ideas about like the parameters for change yeah i mean yeah, uh, I also don't have the answer. Um, <laughs> Darn it! I've, we're not going to fix this right here, right no, now. No, we're what? Not. We're, we're... God, Declan, you've stolen my takeaway message from the show. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to get you to fix it. In, in some way. <laughs> I don't know how to fix it. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, it, it does make you think, though, doesn't it? I think, especially when you're saying about even just traveling to go to a sports event or whatever, you know, I'm incredibly fortunate. I don't come from a wealthy background, but I've got incredibly good parents who are basically robbed of all the money. Um, and, you know, at least they had some finances that they could help me with. But yeah, I think there needs to be a far more kind of diverse application process. Yeah. Or, you know, better access to other ways of showing you have these qualities that make a good doctor. But I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not too clued up on the evidence, to be honest, for how predictive in air quotes I mean that's all all I know is you know it's it's not even sort of from medicine that I've got this but just my my fiance was involved in application processes like they were an interviewer for uh, one year and saw like from the inside the kind of things that the interviewers are discussing and how they weighed up the pros and cons and the the evidence that they'd gathered from years and years Cambridge is a bit different because we've got a college system and every single college does it differently you know never mind the variation across universities Mm. so um, that's sort of just you know side note my insight on how grades predict outcome at university is is from computer sciences but i'm sure it's like a a a sort of transferable thing um across those subjects yeah whether that makes you a good doctor is a different a different question exactly very different exactly yeah Yeah. and i wonder if it wasn't like measured for applications and stuff whether as many people would be doing so many sort of tick box achievement style hobbies or whether people would just be doing music or playing music because they enjoy it rather than doing all of the specific grades or would people be competing in team sports or would they just be pay- playing them for playing them for their enjoyment yeah and it continues when you go into specialist training applications as well it's all it's all very similar and you look at kind of the criteria that you give you they give you and you're just like what the hell is the point in you know all of these different things that you get marks for there doesn't seem to be any real relevance 
Um, but, you know, so you, that makes you focus on these tick box things a little bit more. But I think that's why you have to emphasize, again, this time away from work or extra academic stuff outside of work um, is because, you know, when you're a student, you can, I mean, I rocked up to some of my placements at nine o'clock in the morning and left at half nine. Um, not going to lie, to go and, to go and, to go and revise. <laughs> yeah. You don't quite have that flexibility when you're working, um, which mm. is why you really do have to force yourself and prioritise a bit of extra time to, to chill. What would your advice be to our listeners who were thinking back on a sort of like hobbies that they had when they were younger and thinking whether they or not they should pick them back up again, whether they should try new things? What would your advice be? Um, I think just do something if you enjoy it. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm lucky because I quite enjoy some of the research I do and stuff um but I think particularly when you're working you know it's it's a it's a long training pathway you know it takes 10 years um for most depending on what you go into so going crazy is just not sustainable um so if you want to do extra tick boxy stuff then try and find it in something that you actually enjoy um but you know it's pretty essential to to make sure you have a bit of extra time and I think the thoughts of F3 years and F4 years to try and you know get back into some of those things is a really good a really good idea. Hmm. And what about you Lara what would you say? Yeah it's, it's something we've talked about on Sharp Scratch before about the simple joy of doing stuff regardless of whether you're good at it or not and yeah just to take the things that you like and and enjoy being mediocre um, but also on the flip side like you know if you do want to do something to an elite level like you know I've got uh, we we had a talk once from someone who's uh, who was training for the Paralympics alongside being a doctor, and she went part time to make that work, and that's so valid. Just like what Declan said about taking F threes and F four years to take stock of where your career is going next. You know, it's also valid to go part time and to consider whether you want to be, you know, or to to go sort of for a portfolio career where you do spend some of your time excelling at something that isn't medicine. That is, you know. Whether you want to excel, whether you want to be mediocre and enjoy, you know, like it, that full spectrum is available to us and it's very legitimate for us to be prioritising what, what matters. And, you know, full kudos to Declan for like smashing all that extra stuff and <laughs> getting your super competitive thing. I'm so proud of you for having like yeah, tried yeah. hard at something and gone for it and like very intentionally yeah. made those choices. Um, we don't need to get sucked into stuff we don't enjoy. Like we can choose our direction and, and lean into that. Yeah, I think that's a really good sort of takeaway message. So yeah, in summary, do what you enjoy and don't just chase those tick boxes unless you actually really want to. But yeah, speaking of things that you enjoy doing, um, next week we are speaking about um, our hobbies in terms of our well-being, and we'd love to hear from our listeners. So if you do have any hobbies um, and you're a Sharp Scratch listener, do send those in to us. I'll leave my email in the description. We'd love to have your voice notes and your clips on the next episode. But yeah, that's all from us on Sharp Scratch today. If you'd like to hear more from us, please subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts, and in two weeks' time you'll be notified of our next episode. While you wait for the next one, do check us out on social media. We're BMJ Student on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag SharpScratch. I'd love to hear about your ideas for what you think we should cover later on in the season. It's also really helpful to us if you can leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts as it helps other med students find the show. But until then, bye from us. Bye. Bye.